Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Coming up a little later, we'll visit with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast and then a former Ragin' Cajun coach and player that uh, our current guest knows well. That'd be Mr. Gerald Broussard. He'll join me in the final segment this morning. But joining me now is uh, Louisiana Ragin' Cajun Hall of Famer, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, former NFC champion, and um, a guy, a friend of the program, and Jake DeLome is our guest. And, Jake, I know that I, I always slip in how your eyesight is and you tell me it's still 2020. But with the year 2020 has been, maybe I should just retire that. I'm sure you wouldn't mind if I quit asking you about your eyesight. No, I would, uh, wouldn't mind. I'm uh, looking forward <laughs> to the next couple of weeks, and then we get to 2021 and, and uh, looking forward to a great year in 2021. I'm, I'm, I'm about that as well, man. Let's, why don't we start with the Cajuns, Jake? Um, this season, the way it's played out, unprecedented success. I mean, I know this is a very general question to open up with, but I haven't talked to you since before the season. So overall, just what are your thoughts on the season they've had to this point as they get ready to play for a conference championship Saturday? Well, listen, I think we everybody, and this is not just the Cajun fandom speaking here, I think everybody um, – you had an idea this was going to be a pretty good football team. Uh, quarterback coming back, um, which is always a huge key, especially in a, in a program like ours. I just, anytime you have a, an experienced quarterback coming back, um, you're going to be young at the receiver position. But then the running backs, we knew the running backs that we had, um, how special they can be. And uh, offensive lines getting a little older, I guess you can say, because you lose two draft picks. And it, it's kind of funny, you're watching them play. Um, every Sunday on, on, on television in, in the National Football League. So you lose two starters off of that team. And, but we had some young guys. And defensively, I just think you're just seeing the product of solid recruiting um, and development of players. And I, I just, it's fun to watch. And I'm a huge fan of Percy Butler. I, I, I remember watching him on special teams as a freshman. Just he would fly down the field, the length, the leverage that he had, and the speed that he played with. And um, just watching some of the growth that this team has, has shown. And, and certainly, um, I was lucky enough to address the team in August. Um, Coach Napier asked me to come speak to him, which I kind of do once a year um, in, in, in August or during camp. And uh, Coach Bobby Lamb, who is basically Coach Napier's assistant, so to speak, um, when it was his college coach, longtime college coach, very successful, him and I were just, you know, kind of chewing the fat, speaking, talking, and he said, hey, we're loaded. This is a loaded football team. He said, it's going to be a really good team. And here's a, a college coach with many, many years under his belt. And so he's, he has seen um, good teams, and, and he knew right away. And uh, like when I addressed the team, I said, listen, the, the, the motto you're going to have to take is any time, any place, because we don't know how this season's going to unfold. You're probably going to have cancellations. You're going to play a certain team you didn't know you were going to play, and so be it. Just be fortunate whenever you do get a chance to play and to open up in Ames, Iowa, uh, against a nationally ranked team. And obviously that team uh, is pretty good because they've come on to, to be ranked pretty high and win a lot of games. And just as the season's gone on, I think this team is um, – I think we've played okay. I don't think we've played well. And I think we're starting to maybe hit a stride. Yes, that was somewhat of a, I don't want to use the word an ugly win. It wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing win up in Boone. 
but I don't think anything was aesthetically pleasing with that weather uh, that they had to entertain that night, so to speak. So luckily we had a week off, and um, how great is this to play on national television at 2.30 in the afternoon uh, this Saturday uh, against a team that's undefeated, that beat a BYU team that has a lot of credibility and what kind of exposure it's going to be for these kids. I just think it can't get any better. And I know that's a long-winded No, answer. no, I, 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 I like it, man. And, and that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, it, it's – I think what to me was – what I have to remind myself of, Jake, and I, I haven't covered this team as long as others or, you know, my friend Jay Walker. I mean, I've, I started covering the Cajuns in 05 when I moved back here. But I, I you know, I, I remember when you played, um, you know, when I was in high school, and I remember – uh, I just, you know, I have, I have vague memories of, of Brian Mitchell back in the day, but the fact that the Cajuns are ranked 17th right now and have a have a chance, I don't think it's going to happen, but have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl if a few dominoes fall this weekend. And the fact that I, I don't know that anyone's surprised. It's I don't want to say that everyone expected them to just be everything to happen the way it has. But like you said, in talking to some of the coaches before the season and speaking to the team, it really the expectation this year was that yeah this this thing could possibly run the table now they drop one and they have a chance to rectify it on sun on Saturday and win a conference championship, but like you look at Coastal and what an amazing season they have and this isn't a knock they're the biggest surprise in America I mean they they were picked to finish last in the Sun Belt and they're ninth in the country it's pretty it's pretty amazing what they've done but Louisiana going into this season. You know, obviously Napier's name is is a hot name. Anytime a job opens, you, oh well, maybe he'll maybe he they should go after him. Like he, that success that he always wants to put on the whole program. Hey, anytime it happens, it's not just me; it's everybody. It's all their hard work. Like the expectation this year was so high, and the fact that they're in this position. If you had told somebody this, you know, ten, eleven years ago, everyone would have been like, "That's crazy!" Like that ten years ago, that's no ten years from now, but like a chance to play and. Back then, they were BCS games, but what's comparable to you know a BCS game and be ranked possibly in the top fifteen at years? I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Oh wait, the Sun Belt's going to have two teams ranked in the top ten, and they're going to have a championship game, and yet you get to right now. And from a Cajun standpoint, from the beginning of the season to now, I don't know that anyone would tell you that follows this program that they're surprised. And that I think is maybe the best part of it all, Jake, because it tells you I think a lot about the foundation that's been built here over the last couple of years? Well, I, I think you're exactly right. And um, listen, the foundation, I just think they've done a great job. And, I, you know, I said it, and it was not a knock on Coach Huspitz, but I think the program got away from him a little bit um, in some of the recruiting that he did. And looked like he kind of went for a little more, I guess, flash and wanted to look the prettiest when we got off the bus. And that's not necessarily the best way to go about it. And, uh, Coach Napier has done a good job of plugging some holes early on and then just kind of developing these kids. And I think development is the key word because you truly see development of players, uh, especially freshmen. I go back to Peter LeBlanc. I, you know, watching him early in the season as a freshman last year, you know, this thin kid who, you know, he's here, he's playing some against Mississippi State. He caught a couple of passes early on. Um, and it's like, you know what, he might be all right. Uh, you know, once he gets some weight, gets stronger and learns the game, and then you watch as the season goes on and he's getting a little thicker, running better routes, being a little more precise, and he's starting to make play after play. And I just think the size, to me, that, that's 
progression. That's what you're starting to see. These young kids that are, are true freshmen early on, now they have to play. And I think we're seeing that with the receivers that we're playing this year. We have some injuries at the receiver position, but we're playing the kid uh, um, uh, from Thibodeau, number two. Um, Lacey? You know, well, yes, we're playing Lacey. And then um, L. Rogers' son, watching uh, L. Rogers Jr., watching him come on to make plays. The Carter kid from Cecilia, another one who's kind of gotten the program. Um, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on one other Dante, one. Uh, Dante Fleming, yeah. Team. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, that's the problem with not being able to go to that many games this year. Yeah. You truly miss out on that whole fan aspect of it. Um, you know, but it's a, uh, it's a wonderful time to be a Cajun fan. And, and we're so lucky being able to watch them play every single week on national television. I think that just, I don't know if that can get emphasized enough what it is for these kids that might not be from here and their family and friends get to watch them play on national television week in and week out and the publicity that they get. Uh, that's just huge for a program, especially like ours. Jake DeLome, our guest, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. Uh, you mentioned recruiting. Well, I'm going to ask you a few questions about, you know, memories of your signing day in a moment. And I'll ask Gerald the same thing, and I know it's changed a lot over the years. But first – I want to get back to something you, you mentioned um, a minute ago about the publicity. And I think from a linear television standpoint, it's been uh, a banner, you know, a, again, an unprecedented year for the conference and for Louisiana in particular. And from a local standpoint, I'll always tell folks, because, you know, they complain the whole time about the national announcers. Look, locally, if you're a fan, turn down the volume on your TV, sync it up with the radio, hear Gerald and Jay and, and Cody. But, but you mentioned it outside of the area. And outside of the, the, the footprint of the Sunbelt Conference, I, I, I want your thoughts on, on the job you feel like the conference has done, maybe telling its story or promoting itself. Because when you look at the college football playoff committee and you look at how high Cincinnati is from a G5 conference and you look at their resume next to Coastal's or even Louisiana's, it's not even close. I mean, who Cincinnati's playing this Saturday? And I know Cajun fans and Coastal fans are both rooting for – uh, Tulsa, but Tulsa's got a better resume at this point, even with the, with the L that they have. So Iowa State ranks seventh, even though the Cajuns beat them on the road by by 17. And I'm talking about in the college football playoff ranking. It seems like at least for some of the powers that be, the Sun Belt having an unprecedented year and at the top of it being the best, I would argue, G5 conference this season, it seems like that message or that image or perception still hasn't gotten through to some of the uh, powers to be in college football, even even with, you know, the perfect record against the Big 12 this year and a lot of the success that they've had. Well, and listen, that's just something that um, the, the Sun Belt's going to have to, you know, fight. And the best way to do it is that when you get an opportunity to win these games, win them. And, and the Sun Belt has done that this year. Go. So... Whatever happens to this Saturday, hopefully if the Cajuns win and, you know, whichever bowl game the Cajuns go to and or Coastal Carolina, and hopefully they play a so-called quote-unquote name team, and then you get a win against those. That's it just it, it takes a little time. And, uh, you know, it's funny you bring up Cincinnati and, and kind of crazy as it seems, I follow Cincinnati a little bit because their head football coach, was the undrafted rookie free agent along with myself our rookie year in New Orleans. Get out. Luke Fickle. He was from Ohio State, undrafted, and got hurt the first practice. 
of training camp in Wisconsin. And so here he was uh, rehabbing that whole year, friends. And next thing you know, um, he's a GA and made his way up. And now he's got a team um, that's uh, that's that's ranked in the top ten uh, in the nation. It's pretty incredible. He's look. He's they have they have had an outstanding season, and um, I'm for all G5s, especially the ones that are great, getting respect. And you know, just for the record, I I, I do again. I don't I don't think that they're resume in terms of the teams they played this year and beaten is as strong as coastals but do i think they're a really good team yeah i do i do i do think uh, they're a really good team and i look jake you know I, I i know some saints history i didn't you just taught me something new man i appreciate that luke fickle now now i can just refer to him as a former saint anytime he's doing something at cincinnati well i i know exactly how much you 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 bleed the black and uh, uh black and gold and so that's something that probably not many people uh, would remember. But Luke was an undrafted guy out of Ohio State University. Man, uh, that's good stuff. Well, I, you know, I think that's a um, – before we, we get into some NFL talk, and I, I want your thoughts on, obviously, the Panthers and, uh, and the Saints, but National Signing Day, early signing day today. And for folks listening, if they want updates on the class, we've got them for you over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. Um, what, what you, you've told me this story before, Jake, but I got to ask again, what, what was signing day like for you? And do you feel like this early signing period is, is a good thing for both, uh, the schools, the staffs, and for the fact that it's kind of taken away a little bit of the shine that was national signing day when it was in that normal February date. And it, it just, it, at times it kind of felt like a circus, I believe. Well, I mean, to be quite honest, that was a long time ago when I signed. I mean, you're talking about 1993, and in my mind it doesn't feel that long ago, but that's many moons ago. And so, uh, you know, I know for somebody like myself, uh, what I have liked in early signing, I didn't know yet uh, where I was going to go in December. You know, on this date as a senior, let's say December 15th, and it would have been 1992, I still wasn't sure where I was going, uh, to be quite honest. And uh, Tulane was it was between kind of UL uh, USL at the time and Tulane, and I hadn't made my decision uh, up until gosh, I want to say early January, um, and that's when I made my decision. So for me, I, I wasn't quite ready yet. And to be honest with you, we lost in the state semifinals, so that was the week after Thanksgiving. Um, so I, I think it's kind of hard for some of these kids, you know now. The recruiting is so different now. They start them so much younger. They get these kids on campus um, all during the spring and the summer, and they're constant, whereas that wasn't the case um, when, I, when it was with me. And, and certainly this year has been very different. You know, I, I take like Jack Besh, you know, kind of watch Jack Besh grow up some, and, and I've watched him play, and you just kind of wonder what took some of these schools so long to offer him the true, you know, blue bloods of the world, but he wasn't able to go to the camps this past summer because of the whole COVID situation. Now, he had he walked on uh, some of these campuses this summer, every, every bit of his six, two and a half, 215-pound chiseled man, and he's going to catch everything they throw to him, he would have been offered way sooner. Uh, you know, uh, just people, they didn't get to see him in the flesh, and I think it hurt some kids. Um, and, and honestly, your better staffs, which I'd like to think UL has one, we should be have a leg up on many schools because if, if 
you truly have a process and a plan in place, you should have a pretty good idea where you want to go and, um, and not being able to go see kids on Friday night. So hopefully we, we have a step up and we can sign a good class. Jake DeLome, our guest. Uh, it's, um, it's uh, it, like you said, so much has changed in, in the recruiting game over the years, and this year in particular is, uh, is unique. And, you know, Billy told me Monday, Coach Billy Napier, that in terms of that extra year of eligibility the seniors have this year if they want it, he, it doesn't impact this year's class at all. Now, it could impact the class and, and you know, uh, future classes, maybe the 2022 class. But my final question to you about your, your senior year of high school as you go down memory lane, uh, I'm sorry, your senior year of college as we go down memory lane, if you had had an opportunity to have another year of eligibility at USL and come back in 97 to play another year of college football, you think you would have done it? Or were you – you know what? I graduated. I got other plans and dreams. I'm out of here. I think I would have come back, no question, because it, it wasn't like the NFL was beating down my door. Right. Uh, it wasn't like I had, you know, football uh, agents coming out the woodworks. I, I wasn't invited to East West Shrine, Blue Gray Game, Senior Bowl, and, and it was actually a pretty weak class of quarterbacks uh, the year I came out. So it wasn't like I was this sought-after prospect, and I wasn't redshirted, so I was still a baby, so to speak. I just turned 21. Um, so I think without a doubt I probably would have come back. Um, you know, Brandon Stokely had just finished his sophomore season, so I would have had an ace in the hole uh, knowing when I came back that I had somebody to possibly throw it to. But uh, that's uh, I think that's a, it's a great avenue for, for some kids to be able to go back because – the NFL dream, it is truly a dream, and not many guys get to go. But uh, if you can play one more year and further your education and, and finish your education or start working towards a master's, why not? Uh, I mean, why not? Levi Lewis will be back next year for the uh, Vermillion and White. And what if game, I, you know, we can play it, but it doesn't change reality. I know that the journey to the league was um, hard fought for you, Jake, and uh, especially, you know, the journey until you got that contract where I would say I'll, I'll call it a life-changing contract but in the end I think it all worked out so uh, fortunately you didn't have that option though man just to think about a 97 team with you and Brandon as a junior um, a redshirt junior at that point I guess that's that's fun to at least dream about but the reality is I think it worked out pretty good for both you guys no I don't think there's any doubt you know and um, you look know, I, I truly believe and things happen for a reason and, um, you know, it, uh, it all worked out. Good stuff. Jake DeLome is our guest, ESPN1420.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, chat more, shift gears to the NFL. Jake um, watches the NFL as much as anybody and follows the game closely. His former team, the Carolina Panthers, his thoughts on uh, Matt Rule's first year, a lot of injuries they've dealt with, the NFC South as a whole, get his thoughts on the Saints. And uh, if it's not the, Chief, the Chiefs, who's the team to beat in the NFL right now? We'll ask Jake that as well. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back after this on The Great Scott Show. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the program, everybody. I'm Scott Prather, uh, still on the line with us, our friend Jake DeLome in um, – Jake, I, I, I kind of got caught, this was like a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I, I, some would say I wasted time at work, but I felt like it was time well spent. Someone on Twitter, I was sharing some stories that we had written on, on social media, 
And someone on my timeline had shared this YouTube clip, which ended up being like the entire Christmas Eve game between the Saints and Cowboys in, uh, in, in I, I think it was 1999, where you got that first start and you got the win. And um, I remembered some things about that game, but man, I mean, there were some third down throws to Keith Poole on the sideline. I mean, you were you were looking up with Keith Poole a number of times on that day. Um, you were fired up. That was that was a fun memory, I know, for Saints fans and fans of yours and Raging Cajun fans. So what do you remember most about that game before I uh, ask you your thoughts on the current product? Well, I'll be honest with you. It, uh, <laughs> that was a short week. That week uh, we got beat up pretty good by Baltimore um, just a few days earlier on Sunday. And uh, we were playing that Friday on Christmas Eve and playing the Dallas Cowboys and certainly the, the, the star – it's actually when Dallas was, um, heck, probably the last time it was close to the last time they ever won a playoff game. And when you think about it, I don't think they won too many since then. I think they won um, two, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it really and truly when you think about it, I know I'm going off tangent here, but how little Dallas has won in the last 25 years or so, whatever it may be. Um, but you had Troy Aikman and um, so – they came in, and uh, we had not a whole lot to play for in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, we just we started out the game and kind of battled back and forth. And uh, for me, it was more or less the game moved slow in front of my eyes, and that was always something that was big to me. If, when it moved too fast, I didn't think I was ready, and you just never know until you had an opportunity. And the game kind of felt like it was moving slow in front of my eyes uh, or moving at a pace that I felt comfortable in, I guess I, I should say. And, you know, it worked out. We did some good things, had a lot of fun, guys made plays, and uh, made for a good night, uh, to say the least. It was fun, man. And, you know, your point about the Cowboys, I think you're right. You know, they've only won, what, two playoff games in 25 years. But in 99, you know, they, they were still in the playoffs. They still had that mystique about them, right? Like they, I know they're, quote, America's team, but the, the mystique of the 90s Cowboys, if, if, if you didn't live through it, it really is, it, it's one of a kind. There was really nothing quite like it. So for you guys to get that win and, and you to kind of get that, that moment, which, um, you know, the next season you start out as, as the third string, work your way to second string and, and just keep grinding and eventually – ending up with the Carolina Panthers where, where you had a lot of success, Jake. And uh, we talked about them before the season. I felt like it was um, more a rebuilding year where they were still going to win some games and upset some teams. I didn't view them as a, as a playoff team, but I liked some of the offseason moves. And now fast forward here to December and McCaffrey's injury. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a process in Carolina. But what are your thoughts about a two-part question this season for the Panthers and and their outlook here over the next couple of years? Well, listen, this season, first of all, you're not thinking you're only going to have Christian McCaffrey for, what, two games? Yeah. Uh, two and a half games. Um, so you don't think that. But I think this team at some points of during the season, they've exceeded expectations. Then at a couple of others, there's been some disappointment because – They've been in just about every football game, maybe but one, and they were there on the last drive. Um, and really and truly, <laughs> two weeks ago in Minnesota, they, they gave a game away. Uh, it's very simple. They just they, It was a gift wrap to Minnesota late in the game, and 
the Panthers knew it, the Vikings knew it, everybody knew it. Um, then they had to buy, and really, really disappointing. Didn't play uh, that well at all versus Denver this week, and um, Teddy had some miscues in that game uh, a few different times, which we hadn't seen yet. So that was disappointing. Um, but in the grand scheme, never did I think this was a playoff team. Um, I thought this was a six-win team at max, and maybe we get there. And I'll be very honest with you, I hope they don't for draft reasons. Um, even after the Minnesota game, when we were doing our podcast on Panthers.com, Jordan Gross and I were talking about it. And, yes, it's disappointing, but do you look do you look at it in three or four years from now and say, hey, we drafted six overall that year, and we got so-and-so who helped kind of mold and change our franchise Remember how we won that Minnesota game, we would have drafted ninth or 10th. He would not have been there. So you never know how it's going to play out. Uh, but Matt Rule, he's really like what he's doing. I'm watching guys that did not watch them play in person last year, calling the games, and did not think much of them as football players, and watching them improve um, and play a little tougher, if that's the right word to use, a little faster in the development out of these guys. So – um, like what I'm seeing because of, and I said this preseason, probably the youth got, you know, the Saints, That was a, this is a loaded roster. Said it then, and I still say it now. That's a loaded roster that there's going to be many guys that are going to have to get paid pretty soon. So this is the complexion is going to change, and especially with Drew, um, whether this is the last year or not. It will change in the next year or two. No Same doubt. thing with Tampa. Uh, listen, Bruce Arians is all in. I mean, he doesn't want rookies. He doesn't want young kids. He wants older veterans. It's about win now, and as soon as it's going to go the other way, he's retiring again. So that that place is going to go down at some point in the next couple of years. So in Atlanta, we just didn't know it was going to be one way or the other, and it looks like that's going to be a complete implosion um, because of uh, new coach GM. So hopefully Carolina is starting to lay the foundation. I thought they drafted well this year. Um, and Derek Brown, the defensive tackle, he's shown to be he's going to be a good one. And then Jeremy Chin, the second-round player, who I'd be surprised if he doesn't win uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, maybe Chase Young if he has a few yeah, more yeah. kind of heroics like he's, he's done, but Chin's got to be the leader in that category. So see what happens. And, um, you know, you have Teddy there who can kind of hold over for whenever the, the future franchise quarterback will be found. Jake DeLome, our guest, talking about the uh, the NFC South and the Panthers a little bit. I, I said this about their approach, and I, I, you just highlighted a few more reasons why I think it was the right move. The fact that that David Tepper, uh, you know, and Panthers ownership took a long term approach, and they they never came right out and said that's what we're doing. But you look look at what Tampa's doing. They're going they're going all in now in a hurry, and and I don't. I didn't think it was going to work before this season. And, and what, what, what is the definition of work? I think it's winning a Super Bowl in Tampa's case when you're going all in the way you are. They're going to have some success. They're going to be in the playoffs. I don't think they're winning a Super Bowl with, with Tom. And so for Carolina to look at that and then look at the Saints once Breeze retires, I personally think it'll probably be after this season. Uh, and when he does, there's you can't <laughs> – you can't get him to to uh, you can't convert his signing his contract into a signing bonus when it's dead money on the cap. I mean, there's they're a loaded team and and there's going to be a step back obviously when when Drew finishes up. So for Carolina to take that long term approach to give Rule what a seven year deal, I think to think about okay, look, let's look at this as a process, which 
you know, a lot of owners aren't that patient. You know, in the NFL, fans aren't patient, obviously. And so it's hard for owners to be because you want a winning product. And all of that's to say it's not that Carolina's not trying to win games, but there's a difference between their approach to the offseason and some other teams' approach and other teams that currently are sitting there with losing records. So I think the long-term outlook for Carolina, I think you look maybe – three, four years from now, I think it's very promising, not just in the NFC South, but I think in the NFC uh, as a whole. Well, I, listen, I agree with you there, and, and, I, and I'm going to go back to say it. I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure who, who the quarterback's going to be, and if it's ever fairly evident, you've got, you've got to have the right guy to, to win it all. Uh, it's, it's, it's nowadays in the NFL. and um, So hopefully somewhere along the line we can, um, we can find that uh, – we can find that guy. So that that's a good segue into the Saints in terms of quarterback because when Drew hangs it up and whether he's back this week or the week after on Christmas when they play the Vikings or possibly week 17 against the Panthers, um, they are expecting him back this year and, and they need him if they want to try to make a run to the Super Bowl. But you've seen Taysom Hill, uh, you know, four games and kind of get an audition. And, you know, Jake, it's funny. Sean Payton told anyone that would listen, he felt like he was the future guy uh, that he could play at quarterback. And everyone said, nah, he's just saying that. And then, you know, they, Teddy goes and signs with Carolina and they give Taysom a deal. Well, Jameis Winston is in the building and he comes in when Drew's hurt. Okay, Sean's just saying it. No, he wasn't just saying it. So he started Taysom the last four weeks. I have questions about him in terms of a long-term answer, a quarterback for the team. It's only four games but you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about your first start in the NFL, Jake, and one of those things in the back of your mind was processing the game in terms of can the game slow down for you and, and coming out of that game with a lot of confidence in your ability because the game did slow down. And a quarterback, you know, I, I think he's, he's done some good things. Uh, the first two and a half quarters against Atlanta, he was sharp. Um, but the last one and a half, not so much. Obviously, the fumbling's an issue. But against zone coverage, there's just, you know, Philly, who typically doesn't play zone, they played it mainly the bulk of the game because Taysom, in terms of how quickly he processes it all, and I get it. It doesn't help when the O-line struggled the way they did against the Eagles. But I went into it saying, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he can't be, and he might get a longer audition next year just based on the contract and the way the offseason might play out. But four games, we have a little bit more of a sample size here. And if he starts against Kansas City, we'll have even more. What's your overall thought on, one, Taysom Hill, and two, the future quarterback position for the New Orleans Saints? Well, listen, um, how can I say this and protect myself? So I watched Kyle Allen play a bunch of games for Carolina last year. And he, he went on a streak of looking like, you know what? This kid's making big-time throws and making plays. I wonder if there's something here because he was like one of the number one recruits coming out, uh, Kyle Allen was at the time. And then all of a sudden the wheels fell off after about five games, five or six games. The turnover started, the inconsistency, and couldn't kind of get out the funk, so to speak. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Taysom yet. I know he's a great athlete and things like that. Um, Last weekend I think was a setback. Now, and as a Saints fan, you probably want Drew back this week. I get it. I'd love to see him play Kansas City because I have a feeling, I think we all do Kansas City, you would assume he'll put some points on the board. So I want to see him kind of throw the football uh, even more. I want to see him um, 
see if he can kind of run an offense, matriculate the ball down the field and, and things like that. Um, you know, they, uh, it's very interesting. You know, it's a, um, I know they love him in New Orleans. Is he the guy, the future? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I hadn't seen enough yet, I, and, and maybe that's a that's a crop. But uh, I just I, I, I don't I don't I, I don't know what your you eyes know. is telling you. But like Drew, this is where Drew is so in my. You know, everybody complained early on. He's not throwing the ball down the field. Kamara, all he does is check it down to Kamara. Doesn't matter. Well, that's the reason why, because he sees it. He recognizes the defense a whole lot faster than anybody else. He knows Kamara's going to get out. Kamara probably has a blocking responsibility. He tells Alvin, "Hey." get out now, and he's going to book whatever linebacker that Alvin's supposed to block, knowing that that guy comes, I'm hot, but I know the coverage, the guy can't come. Alvin gets out on the route now. That's more stress on the defense. He checks the ball down to him, and they just move the ball up and down the field. Where, where does, in terms of quickly processing a defense on a given play, where, where does Breeze rank for you in terms of guys you played against and are, and are currently watching in the league? Oh, I mean, he's up there. I mean, he's with the, the you know, the elite. Uh, I think Matt Ryan processes the defense pretty good. Uh, I think Drew does it a little better than him. I think Aaron Rodgers obviously sees it. Mahomes being so young is remarkable the way he can process the defense. Uh, Brady's another one. Um, you know, uh, I'm talking the guys playing now. Gosh, I might be missing some. Russell Wilson, yeah. he sees it. Uh, I mean, they see it. They know it. Uh, they understand it. And, it's about managing the game. I mean, the great quarterbacks, are the, they're the best game managers in the world. You know, and that's a, that's a word people hate to use, but, I mean, that's, that's what they do. They manage the game. They manage the clock. They manage protections. They understand if I go to this protection here, uh, I know where my troubles are, and if I can get a, a, my running back out who's supposed to protect, but if I can get him out, that's more stress, that I'm going to stress certain coverages by flooding zones with certain guys. So, you know, those are the handful. I'm probably missing some. Josh Allen, watching him the last few weeks has been an absolute joy to watch because the game has, like, it seems like it has slowed down so much in front of his eyes, and they are just putting stress on you after stress. Um, and it's fun to watch him play right now. That's, that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that that's a, a, another good segue, Jake. You're you're good at this broadcasting thing, and I know you've been having fun on the Panthers radio network with Jordan Gross and doing games. And I always like picking your brain. But in terms of uh, Josh Allen, I look at the Chiefs and Bills have uh, each beaten five teams this year that have winning records currently, and and that's the most uh, in the NFL. I think the Steelers are at four and. You know, the Saints are at two. I think the Packers are at one. I mean, the point is, that's not to nitpick. Everybody's just playing their schedule. And every year, good team. I mean, last year, Kansas City won the Super Bowl. They only had two wins during the regular season against teams with winning records. I'm more or less just propping up Buffalo in that they're 10-3. and But, man, I mean, some impressive wins. And if Kansas City, I I think you and I are in agreement, they're, they're the team to beat in the NFL right now. But... With the rest of the league, whether it be Pittsburgh, who just lost to Buffalo and has dropped two straight, or Buffalo, or Green Bay, or the Saints, who didn't look good on Sunday, but we know how deep that roster is and how good they can be when Brees comes back. Or maybe someone else, like a, like a nine-win Rams team. Who, in your mind, if you can't pick the Chiefs, who would you pick right now as a team that, that has the best shot to win the Super Bowl? 
Oh, I, I'm I'm big big fan of Buffalo Bills right now. I, I I just I like what they I really and truly like what what they're doing right now. Um, listen, the Chiefs. I mean, that's easy. Anybody can say that. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, and they got to run the ball. They, they they really and truly have to run it. Um, but but coming out to me right now, it just seems to me it's it's Buffalo and Kansas City that's going to come out of the AFC. You know, does Indy do do you trust Indianapolis and or Tennessee, uh, both quarterbacks there to truly make that run? You know, yes, a, a playoff game or two, but the the you know, there's still you got to get through them. And then on the NFC side, it, it it's it's got to be Green Bay, New Orleans, huh? I, I mean, there's. I, I, yeah, I just think the yeah. Rams can, can kind of throw a clunker at some point. Especially if they – yeah. Every now and then yeah. can kind of throw a clunker, you know. Uh, Tampa, I'm, I'm kind of like you. Maybe they win a playoff game. But other than that, gosh. I think it seems this, like these are the final four in my eyes, yeah. but things can change. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think for the Saints, uh, the big concern is the interior, the offensive line, particularly the pass blocking it. It wasn't good in their playoff loss two years ago. It was awful in their playoff loss last year. I just, if they're playing the Rams, man, that's not a great matchup. And so much of it is obviously going to be predicated on matchups and how this thing shakes out. And, you know, Green Bay having a hold of the one seed now. They'll be favored in the rest of their games. How vital is it, Jake? I mean, you've, you've, you've gotten to a Super Bowl before on a team that didn't have a bye. Uh, and you've, you know, had some success on teams that didn't have a buy and, and you've, you know, had an early exit and playoffs on teams that did. So we just kind of, I just kind of sit back and look at numbers and statistics and what history tells us you've lived it, right? You've experienced it. How big is a buy in the playoffs? Is, is it as big a positive as we make it out to be? Is it overplayed? And, and the well, follow-up is just, how do you feel about the league going to seven teams and only one team getting a buy? Listen, the, the buys have proven, especially recently, especially, you know, the recent bias is you need a buy. You need that buy, and then you play two games, and, and then, then you're on to the Super Bowl. Um, but I know the year we went to the Super Bowl, we did not have a buy. We were the third seed, but we were a healthy third seed. You know, that, that, was, that was the one thing we had. We had health on our side in that regard. Uh, I go back then that's oh three season, then the oh five season we lost an NFC championship game. Um and we had to go on the road because we were the wild card. Beat New York and then we went beat Chicago and then we went to Seattle and we were down to our fourth running back um and kinda ran out of gas and they were better than us, you know. Um and then gosh, I go to oh eight and we were twelve and four but an unhealthy 12-4. and four. We were not a healthy football team. We had the bye. We beat the Saints the last week to win the division to have the number two seed bye. And we lost to Arizona, but I don't think it would have mattered. We were very unhealthy. We had numerous people out, especially the interior um, line on both sides, and we just were worn down. So, listen, the bye does make a huge difference. Now, this year it's going to throw a wrench into that operation So because you only have one true bye. Um, so, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see the expansion of the seven teams now. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, like you said, we can break it down, but really it just comes down to health. And 
I think for a um, you know a team like Kansas City, I mean they they seem pretty healthy now. I mean, does the buy hurt them in some way? I don't I don't I don't know that it can hurt. I think it can do more help than hurt. You know, for the team that needs to get the rest that needs to get you know guys healed up. But um, uh, that boy that 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 O three team you guys had beating Dallas. The wild double overtime game against the Rams, if I'm remembering the year right, that was that was a blast. And just you know, um, getting all the way there was it was it Philly? I think y'all want beating the championship game, and yeah, it was. We uh, beat Philly, and, and and you know, a lot of it's matchups, Scott. So we beat um, St. Louis, and the following day was Green Bay and Philadelphia. And if Green Bay would have beaten Philly, we would have hosted the NFC Championship game. So naturally, we're all watching the game because we played on a Saturday and this was a Sunday game, and we're hoping you want to play at home, naturally. Well, it's fourth and 26, and certainly Philadelphia is not going to convert, and Green Bay is going to win, so we're going to be able to host in Charlotte. Well, sure enough, Donovan McNabb throws to FedEx Freddie Mitchell, and they convert a fourth and 26, and they go on to win the game. I think – um, either they tie it and they go to overtime and Brent has an interception or something. Yep. But So we have to go to Philly. So we're disappointed that we couldn't host, but that's the best thing that ever happened to us because we matched up better with Philly than we did Green Bay. It just was a much better matchup because Green Bay was this power-running football team with Amon Green and, and that line that they had, and certainly Brett. And we went to Philly when it was – pretty much a one-man show it was donovan mcnab in the in in philadelphia's defense um and he got hurt early in the game and they had no answers after that so it just depends on timing and health Uh, that's kind of how how it usually goes timing health matchups um they're they're just how it all shakes out man i'm looking forward to a couple of weeks left in the season jake delome has been our guest espn 1420.com Jake, man, I always appreciate your perspective. Um, Merry Christmas. I know uh, it's a little over a week away, but uh, to you, your wife, uh, your two daughters, all the best, man. And um, final question, how's how's the horse racing game been? How has this weird 2020 COVID year impacted the horse racing game, and how is everything going with with your team? Well, I'll be honest with you. It was, uh, like everyone else, there has been some type of – um, it has impacted us. Um, you know, the racing got shut down um, uh, around mid-March, and, and so there was the last couple of weeks of March, no racing, nothing in April and nothing in May in Louisiana, and not until the first week of June. So, you know, certainly when uh, when you have something um, sitting in a stable that you've got to constantly take care of day in and day out, and no opportunity to um, to run and try to get some prize money. So that was difficult. And then um, as our season, as the way it goes in Louisiana, we run at different tracks at different times of the year. Well, Hurricane Laura really performed. Uh, certainly it, uh, it affected the Lake Charles-type yeah. area, that region. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And Delta Downs, which was supposed to start October 6th, got pushed back to November 24th. That was another six weeks. Um, of no running. So it was, it's been a long year, kind of like anything else, but everybody's trying to make the best of it. And, uh, and, and hopefully there's no more hiccups going forward. Jake, man, I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with that. And, uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. You're always generous with your time and we'll see what the Cajuns can do on Saturday, but always enjoy your perspective on that as well, man. All the best and uh, happy holidays.
Same to you, Scott. Take care. Merry Christmas. Really good stuff, man. If, if I didn't, if I didn't feel bad about taking up so much of his time, I just I'd talk to Jake all day. I love the old stories. You know, his memory, if you start picking his brain, his memory of specific games and specific plays in games, he's got that, just that quarterback football mind. And um, good chatting some college football and Cajun football with him in the first segment and uh, some old memories of his high school days and a lot of USL days and talking NFL football in that second segment. We'll talk a little Cajun football later in the show. Gerald Broussard will join me uh, at the end of the uh, 8 o'clock hour or maybe the middle of the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, if you want some updates on National Signing Day and uh, the signees as they come in, that's up for you over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. I'm Scott Prather from the Roofing Louisiana ESPN 1420 Studios. Joining me next, we'll talk Saints football with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Player grades from the game against the Eagles. Any positive takeaways at all? Moving forward, what's the outlook future of the quarterback position in New Orleans. We're going to dig into all of it next right here on ESPN1420 and .com.